Welcome into the Save by Nostalgia podcast. I'm Noah Groniger alongside Clint Schweitzer, and we have a new hit idea for this podcast. Don't do drugs. There's no hope with dope. That's right. Today's episode is No Hope with Dope, and we have a very special guest joining us for this episode in the one, the only, Johnny Dakota himself, as played by Eddie Garcia. Now, Eddie wasn't originally cast as Johnny Dakota, but the person they had before him came to the table read, and Peter Engel said he looked like an axe murderer. So they axed him, and on one day's prep, rushed Eddie Garcia in, who was dating Tiffany Amber Thiessen at the time, and was also the lead dancer for Michael Jackson videos like Bad and Smooth Criminal. And Clint, not only that, but I believe we have another surprise guest on this show as well. We sure do. This episode marks the debut of Troy Froman as Scud. Later, he's going to be playing the part of Ox. But here, he's Scud, and we're going to be talking to him. Great story about that. About a year ago, I was uh, in L.A. in the Santa Monica area. I had been hitting Troy up about doing an interview for this podcast. Of course, it's been going on for over a year now. We've been reviewing every Save by the Bell episode, and here we are knee-deep in it. And uh, I was able to get a hold of Troy. He said to come by his deli there in Santa Monica, Froman's Deli, which his family has owned for years. It is tremendous, uh, wonderful food there. And got to go to the deli and uh, meet Troy, talked about the show, and uh, wound up doing the interview with him um, soon after. So we've got that in the can. We've got um, Johnny Dakota, as you said, played by Eddie Garcia. And we may even have a little stop in from the show's creator, Peter Engel himself, to talk about this. Because, Noah, when it comes down to it, of all the episodes we've done, the highs and the lows, to me, this is the definitive episode of Say by the Bell. Oh, it has to be. I mean, you're talking about a huge subject in drugs, uh, and this is on a Saturday morning show. We've had that uh, once before in Jesse's song when she took the caffeine pills, but this is talking about harder drugs, people using cocaine and obviously uh, marijuana in here, but uh, heroin, they're just talking about, uh, as we'll see later on this episode, all sorts of serious drug issues and uh, not to do it. So this is the definitive episode when you're thinking about an episode. This is the one that gets played all the time on syndication. Uh, you've got a great guest star in Eddie Garcia, uh, the first appearance of Troy Froman, this time as Scud, later we'll see him as Ox. And just the subject matter alone, uh, and uh, NBC's uh, president and chairman we're going to see later on, and Brandon Tartikoff, who's a big fan and supporter of the show. So there's just a lot in this, and you are right dead on money that this is the definitive Say by the Bell episode. It's one of those deals like not everybody knows the NBA, but you know Michael Jordan. You may not know professional wrestling, but everybody knows Hulk Hogan. You may not know Say by the Bell up and down, but you do know No Hope with Dope, and that's where we're at here, and it's great to be having arrived at this point in the show. Um, this season has been full of so many hits, and we're going to keep it going here with No Hope with Dope. As we get into the episode, it is the mid-semester blues at Bayside High School, and pretty much right off the bat, Johnny Dakota, Lisa's favorite Hollywood hunk, is at <laughs> Bayside, and uh, Lisa immediately passes out. Uh, Zach, of course, cool as a cucumber, comes in to introduce himself and tells him he loved him in Skateboard High. Noah, what's your favorite Johnny Dakota movie, Skateboard High or Freeway Warrior? I probably would say Skateboard High. It reminds me of Airborne, although that was on rollerblades, uh, not skateboarding. Um, so that's my favorite one of Johnny Dakota. I mean, he just really brought that role to life. I love seeing him on a skateboard there. And uh, what about you? I know you are a big fan of Freeway Warrior. Only because Screech was his body double, and we'll get to that later. <laughs> um, but Johnny is coming in, meeting everybody at Bayside, calling everybody Guy, which I find odd. It's almost like he's one of those ultra celebrities that never can remember anyone's name. So he just calls him Guy. Hey, Guy. Kind of like Hulk Hogan calls everyone brother. Uh, Johnny Dakota <laughs> is in there. Screech bumps into him, and um, he introduces himself as Johnny Dakota. Screech doesn't believe him and says, yeah, and I'm Madonna, and does this really awkward material girl pose, I guess it would have been. So Screech and Johnny have met, so we're off and running here. Yeah, and uh, they finally get uh, to the principal's office. Johnny wants to meet the principal and talk over uh, this idea that he has. And Zach immediately looks at Mr. Belding and says he wants to introduce Mr. Belding to a close friend of his, Johnny Dakota, Johnny Dick. Dick, Johnny. Guys, let's rap. And uh, then we're off to the races here as to what this is, what this is going to be. And Johnny says that he's looking for a high school to film at, and he wants to film this anti-drug commercial for NBC, and he wants to use some students in it. And hey, this is my director. 
Dean Yablonski. Yo. And he gives him a big yo. And uh, then we're off. Mr. Belding says he can't believe that they chose Bayside. And Johnny jumps in. He's got to stop him right away and just say, actually, this was just the first school we saw when getting off the freeway. Uh, we still got some other schools to go to. So are they going to choose Bayside or are they going to choose a different school? Uh, it's yet to be determined. Well, Zach is going to make that happen, you know, because, of course, where there's a big star, there's lots of beautiful girls. Zach and his motivations and uh, definitely on point here. He's not going to be able to let uh, Johnny get away. Um, the students are going to help Johnny decide where to shoot the commercial. Hey, Bayside, tell them who you are. <laughs> Here we go. We're Bayside students and we don't We don't use drugs. This is just not cool. So if you get the offer, make sure you refuse. When it comes to drugs, just don't use. Well, who could resist a presentation like that from the Bayside student body? Kelly wants to meet Johnny, but... She's too embarrassed. Um, Dean Yablonski wants to go ahead and give the go-ahead to Bayside getting the, the choice, but Johnny's still not sure, you know? So we're, we, he, he's like really pulling teeth, trying try to figure out <laughs> who is going to, where he's going to film this commercial. And by the way, I've been to the Pacific Palisades, California. It's right down the beach from Santa Monica. And that is not the first high school. That is not, the, there's not really even a freeway near. So I don't really understand what happened there, but Johnny Dakota must have got lost and somehow found Bayside there in the Pacific Palisades. I don't know what happened. Yeah, I mean, that's got to be the case. That he just got lost and just trying trying to save face and uh, hoping that they wouldn't question it or notice just, oh, it was the, the first school off the freeway. You guys just going to buy that and let that pass? Uh, I think so. But uh, yeah, I mean, Johnny's not sure because he I, he just seems like the kind of big star that's looking for a big environment and the right people to be in this commercial. And by the right people, I mean Kelly Kapowski. Because when Zach introduces Kelly to Johnny, he says, hello. And all of a sudden, Johnny says, Mr. Belding, I definitely want to shoot at Bayside. And of course, we mentioned how Tiffany and Eddie were dating in real life. And uh, just like in real life, life imitates art. In this episode, no hope with dope. Johnny and Kelly, Johnny's completely smitten with her, and that sold him on Bayside High being the new spot to film this commercial. Yeah, yet another um, inappropriate relationship for Kelly to get into. If Jeff Hunter wasn't enough, Johnny Dakota comes in, who's got to be at least, what, in his early 20s? Kelly's 17. Yeah, she's got some sort of complex, older man complex. And who can blame her? I mean, who, who okay, who's who was the better option? Jeff Hunter? Our good friend Patrick Muldoon or our good friend Eddie Garcia, a.k.a. who she dated in real life. She didn't date Patrick Muldoon in real life. She dates Eddie Garcia. This is her real boyfriend. So which one do you see her with long term? Uh, long term, as we'll find out later in this episode, uh, some more about uh, good old Johnny Dakota. Um, if we're just talking about characters, she might have been better off uh, with Jeff Hunter and our buddy Patrick Muldoon. Uh, I just think uh, they were closer in age. And uh, because I think Johnny's like late 20s, maybe early 30s here. Uh, and Patrick Muldoon was in high school at UCLA as Jeff Hunter. So I think that would have been a better uh, pairing if to me. What about you? Yeah, uh, I'm partial to Jeff. He was in college at the time. I don't, I don't think Johnny Dakota was in his late 20s. He had to be early to mid 20s, let's say. But meanwhile, Screech and Zach are selling Johnny Dakota props, of course, because if there's a celebrity, if there's money to be made, Zach Morris will find it. Um, he has an actual pair of Johnny sunglasses that has Johnny sweat on the sunglasses, and Lisa has to have them, but she's broke. She starts choking Zach, and he just gives her the sunglasses. She puts them on and walks off very suavely. Funny little scene there. Uh, <laughs> Belding yep. doesn't like it. He, they're exploiting the guests. And Zach's going to be in deep trouble. But Johnny swoops in, saves the day, and says he's uh, letting him sell the items as long as the profits go to the Teen Drug Foundation. Zach reminds him of himself from his high school days. He used to lease the school parking lot to a Chevy dealer on the weekends. And he even gives Zach his jacket. So you see this bond being formed between Zach and Johnny. They're like two peas in a pod. You can just kind of see where they would hit it off. Oh, absolutely. But when Belding catches him, I mean, does Zach just refuses to learn his lesson, as we see in this episode a lot? People saying, oh, we'll teach him a lesson he'll never forget. Well, clearly he's always forgetting his lessons because he's just selling right outside of Belding's office in the middle of the hallway 
just for every single scheme he's got, he's in that one spot right by the stairs. They move the trash can out, put up a table, set up shop, and he always gets caught by Mr. Belding. I'm not sure what he's not understanding, what he's not getting. He's always going to get caught in big trouble, and Belding's going to take the money from him, and he's never going to make a profit. I, I just, I'm not with Zach's schemes and his plans or plots for where these are located. Well, we're about to meet our good friend Scud, but before we do that, I want to go ahead and take you to our interview with Troy Froman, who's about to debut as Scud. We're going to get into the character and more about what happens after our um, little chat here with Troy Froman. Enjoy it. You were in nine episodes of Saved by the Bell. What was it like going back to work there kind of randomly spot duty? Were you welcome back with open arms or did you have friends that you hung out with each time there? Were there kind of clicks already formed, kind of making it hard to reacclimate each time you came back to the show? Uh, well, let me put it this way. I, I got a call to audition for the part of Scud, and, and I got it, and I did it, and it was great. And, you know, to me, in my mind, they by the bell, I never heard of it, and it's been on, a kid's show. So I'm like, okay, you know. You know. So then my manager called me. She goes, they love you. They love you, but they don't want the, that character any longer. They want you to um, be Ox, the dumb football player. But you have to go through the uh, preliminary uh, audition and try out for a couple lines. So I went down there. I did a couple lines, and they're all that bad. Yeah, yeah, you're off. That's it. They wanted me. I just had to prove that I could do a couple lines as a dumbass. So from there, it's like, um, you know, I did one episode, you know, the um, teacher-student week. And then they say, oh, we're going to put you on next week. And they go, um, like, a couple weeks later, oh, we're going to, you know, so they called me here and there. And then I, I was doing Wonder Years in between. And it's crazy because, you know, um, Troy, not not a lot of um, people came back for a lot of episodes of Saved by the Bell. A lot of the characters, you had the seminal cast and the people we saw every week, but not many people were in nine episodes. Uh, we talked to, for instance, Ryan Holohan, who played uh, Sylvester Solomon, and he was in three or four episodes. And, uh, you know, a lot of the nerds were in two or three, and they were all memorable. But you were in nine and really stand out. Of course, that... No Hope with Dope episode, you were Scud wearing your Slayer shirt, smoking a cigarette in the bathroom. But that was an important episode because it was talking about substance abuse and about smoking pot. And it was, a, you know, one of the first times that Saved by the Bell had ever done something like that. It was, it's a very important message to kids. Yeah, and you know what? And after that, I went home and I smoked pot. <laughs> you, <laughs> with Johnny, you and Johnny Dakota together, probably. <laughs> but, you know... Your character, your character was not, you know, you had, you actually had a hot girlfriend in that episode too. That was uh, the redhead girl, and you were gonna go get uh, the the they had a deal on dog collars or something, and you were gonna to go get a new dog collar. Yeah, I'm surprised I learned all those lines that quickly. Uh, today's day of age, I might not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's 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 you know, Saved by the Bell was a, a kid show, but I mean, an episode about you know, substance abuse was pretty heavy. I mean, did you, did you was it kind of just another gig or did you realize, wow, this is like a, a an important kind of a moment because it's it reached so many people? I knew it was important because, uh, let me get the Brandon Tark, Brandon Tarkov. Brandon Tartikoff. Yeah, he, he had, he did an important message at the end. So I, I knew it was kind of cool. And I was also in the drinking and driving episode, which led me to be in an interview with this um this guy Lee Gavin who's writing a book of um about important messages in sitcoms. Going back to the No Hope with Dope episode, if you've gotten the DVD, listen to the commentary uh, with Peter Engel, Dennis Haskins, Dustin Diamond, Lark Voorhees. When you first come on screen, uh, they said, "Is that Ox? Is that Troy Froman?" And they all agreed after that first scene that no, that's not him. It's not him. We were we're mistaken. Then the second time you come on screen, talk about the dog collar. Uh, they say, no, that wait, that is Troy. And they mention how great you were and they loved working with you and mentioned you and your parents uh, Froman's Deli out in California. So I uh, just kind of want to let you know that, that they were confused at first, you being Scud, but then they realized you and uh, just what a pleasure it was working with uh, Peter Engel, Dennis Haskins and Dustin Diamond. Uh, do you have any stories of working with them? Oh, that's cool. Yeah, you know, um, I, let me just say right now, my my only bitter resentment like peter engel comes up to me and goes hey you know troy um we're gonna take you to the hawaii uh, movie and um uh, you know get ready to go to hawaii then they didn't call me because i guess they, they didn't want to spend the money flying me up there 
but you know, the, they should have used me for the college years. I would have been perfect, and and I kind of resent that in the back of my mind. I, I yeah, we've talked to Peter about the college years. I don't know that they had a very a good streamlined um, idea for that because. You know, they they switched to prime time and they tried to make it work. The ratings weren't there. Uh, Peter always kind of considers the college year as kind of a failure. So we have talked to him about that. So maybe because there Probably was no Probably because, they, yeah, because they didn't have Troy. Well, now we get a little more information about Scud, about Troy Froman getting the role. Here he is making his debut and the guys run into him in the bathroom and he's wearing a Slayer shirt. What is your favorite Slayer song? Oh, I mean, I've just got so many, but I'm, uh, geez, off the top of my head. Uh, I'll just pick one. The one about death and destruction, that one I really like. I know They don't that, sing so. about that. Oh, so. uh, maybe the one about uh, rainbows, uh, jumping unicorns jumping over rainbow. That one, is okay. that? Yeah. I mean, yeah. God Hates Us All, Seasons in the Abyss, Raining Blood, Angel of Death. Any of those? Yeah, the death and destruction one. Yeah, that well, one. Well, it's perfectly <laughs> suited for Scud here. Who's almost like I always thought like when I saw him, he almost reminded me of like Bebop from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or something. <laughs> like, that's always what he kind of reminded me of. But they're in the bathroom and Zach smells pot. Slater with the famous line, hey, look, a roach. <laughs> Someone's getting stoned in the bathroom. Johnny walks in right at that time. And uh, if you're watching on the DVDs, of course, like that's when they go to commercial. So you're left on this cliffhanger. Johnny catches them with the pot in their hands. He asks what's going on. They say they don't mess with that stuff. It's not theirs. And Johnny goes ahead and flushes the roach down. He says he believes him. So this is the first time. I mean, we, we have literally seen an illicit drug appear on Saved by the Bell. Like a marijuana cigarette has been found. This is groundbreaking for the show. And Screech, though, is a little upset because they've he's they've flushed a future bride for his roach. Herbert, is it? I think it is, yes. So they've flushed Herbert's wife down the toilet and Screech calls them murderers and they've committed insecticide. So uh, we've mentioned Screech a few times here. Uh, this isn't a horrible episode for Screech. He comes, he has got a few lines. He's not insufferable as he is in many episodes that we'll see moving forward. But then we move to Johnny holding a little powwow kind of for the commercial. He wants to hear their thoughts and what they think about drugs. And some reason he has Screech go first and he said, oh, I hate drugs. But the doctor says he ha I have to keep taking them if I want to get rid of my post-nasal drip. And that's a line that's revisited as that's what Screech said that Mr. Testaverde had in the episode The Gift, a post-nasal drip that he was suffering from. And so uh, that's brought back again. And then we meet this random kind of goth looking girl. She jumps in and says, you want to know about dumb? My brother used drugs to get high and drove to the beach. Now I have to drive him. He's in a wheelchair. A powerful story. We don't really know what happened. Did he get in a wreck? Did he uh, just get carried away in a riptide and swirled around and a shark got his legs? Well, I don't know what happened. But. Wow, I like that theory, actually. I'm going to just go with that one because I've always wondered, like, okay, so what happened between the him taking drugs and going to the beach and him in a wheelchair? Like, where what, what's where's the synergy there? I, I, I would like to know. But um, then you get two really poignant um, topics from Slater and Zach. Slater talks about uh, real-life basketball star Lynn Bias, who died of a cocaine overdose. And uh, he had a you know really sympathetic line when he said, it's too bad, he could have been great, which is so true. Uh, Zach brings up John Belushi, um, who had died about uh, 10 years or so before this. And they, say dr they all agree that you know drugs ruin a lot of lives. And I thought this was really well done, the way this exchange went the way that they brought up real stories and real people that this has affected. And I remember as a kid, this really drawing me into the episode and I didn't know really much about marijuana or cocaine or any of this, but I knew I was like, wow, like I want no part of that. This is really good stuff from people that you look up to. You you look up to these characters. When you watch this as kids, you look up to Zach and Slater and these people. So this was a really good stuff for me. Oh, it definitely was. I mean, not only do you get uh, just this kind of, fake story just for the episode of this one character's brother, but it makes it hit home. She's like, uh, Zach and Slater go over real life stories and Hey, John Belushi, Lim bias. Like these are things that we've uh, big celebrities, athletes that we've heard in the news and we know about, but then it kind of, I like that story from that girl. I think her name, Scud comes in and says that her name's blaze. And uh, just that 
okay, this doesn't just happen to celebrities, an actor, an athlete. Um, I know this is just for the show, but it's showing that, hey, this can affect your family. This happened to my brother. Uh, he got high, and now he's in a wheelchair. So it brought it to real life and how it can hit home and not just out here. This is just something for athletes and celebrities. No, this can happen in your own family right there. So it was powerful stuff. But uh, And then Jesse tells her story of the caffeine pills and Jesse's song and, and taking those and how she didn't just hurt herself. She hurt her family and her friends and uh, just kind of the havoc that she caused on everyone's lives and the stress that uh, she brought into their lives. Kelly doesn't get why people do it. She just doesn't understand. Of course, just sweet, innocent Kelly doesn't get it. She's That's kind of out of her wheelhouse, out of her world. She lives in uh, just this land of just rainbows and everything's made of marshmallows and so she doesn't understand it she doesn't get statutory rape yes rape as well but um she's a big fan of that (laughs) well apparently scud is blaze's boyfriend that's the random girl that had the story about the uh, guy in the wheelchair her brother her name's blaze and uh, scud wants um them to go to the leather shack they're having a uh sale and he wants to get a dog collar for his mother um she tells him she's working and then they all kind of remember that Scud was in the bathroom when they found the joint. So now they're going to go bust him. They they break in there. Screech is reading him the riot act, reading him as Miranda writes. They pull him up against the wall and they realize he's just smoking a cigarette. And uh, they thought it was pot. And uh, <laughs> Scud says, well, I'm not that stupid. And uh, then they apologize. And they said they were misguided by his thug-like exterior. Uh, Troy Froman with a great line there. It's, it happens. <laughs> yes, Slater's so like this can kill you too, genius. Yeah, and they had to just, get that in there. They, it's good it that just, they got that in. Yeah, exactly. And is it just me, or are Slater's sleeves extra long and extra floppy in this episode? It harkens me back to just mid '90s quarterback sleeves, like Steve Bono had floppy sleeves for some reason. Yeah, it does. Uh, it, it was like very '90s, the you know, more loose fitting clothing. Although Slater usually doesn't comply to that, you know, with the, his build, he's usually wearing tighter fitting clothing, but um, Kelly and Johnny are on a date at the max. Of course, hopefully he's paying or it's on the house. Um, She told him that just the other day she had a crush on a movie star and he kind of blushes and she's like, no, not you, Tom Cruise. And it was a funny (laughs) moment, like acknowledging a real life actor, because I always thought that like Johnny Dakota was supposed to be kind of the personification of Tom Cruise, that level of fame walking into Bayside here. Is that kind of the, the vibe that you get from it? Oh, it definitely is. Johnny walking in there might as well be a Tom Cruise walking in there, just the biggest movie star on the planet or one of them coming into Bayside, everyone losing their minds, feigning, screaming. I mean, I I thought they could have actually played that up more, which is people losing their minds and maybe some background characters having to be like feigning and carried away. Uh, But they did pretty well with Lisa feigning, not being able to talk to him. As she comes into the max, she's got questions for her gossip column. And this might be the best like little Jesse scene ever because she's not annoying. She's not playing the activist. She's not uptight. She's not fighting for some cause. She's just there being a regular teenage girl for once, helping out Lisa and whispering, I can't ask these. And Lisa whispers back, do it. <laughs> I mean, after strangling Zach and now forcing Jesse to ask these questions, Lisa's very forceful in this episode. But the questions are, do you sleep in pajamas? Do you kiss on a first date? And will you marry me? And Johnny says, no, yes. And maybe that's if Kelly turns me down. Oh, yep. Yeah, the live action audience loved that one. And um, now Zach is coming in to get an autographed picture for Mr. Belding's wife. I don't know why he was tasked with this. <laughs> but um, the inscription he wants on the autographed picture is, Mrs. B, you are lucky to be married to such a buff-looking hunk. Um, he then invites the gang to a party at his house. What a dream come true, you know, being a teenager, getting invited to a movie star's party in the Hollywood Hills. Who wouldn't be up for that? That kind of sets up a very famous scene here as the gang is uh, heading to this party. It's uh, it's one that always stands out to me, my friend. It is. I mean, and Screech is wondering if the Simpsons will be there. Sorry, Screech. Homer and Marge will not be there. Maybe OJ Simpson. That could be one, but definitely not Homer and Marge. Uh, but yeah, just... To go back just a second here to Mr. B having Zach ask Johnny Dakota for this autograph, it's kind of nice to see Zach help out Mr. Belding. It shows that, I mean, Zach and Mr. Belding are odds a lot of time, but it shows that they have this other side, this friendship side to the relationship. So I really like that. 
Yeah, you're right. That is uh, that is shows the connection between the two, even though they're sometimes at odds. Um, the party is here, and uh, Slater is uh, striking out, trying to meet women. It's never really explained why. He just keeps finding himself on the short end of things. Screech is dressed ridicu- ridiculously in a cowboy outfit with sunglasses and a hat. Kind of awkwardly, two girls come up to Johnny and tell him that they've been in town for a week, and he hasn't come by. <laughs> and he's there with Kelly, like, as his date. And she's just kind of like, oh, what does that mean? <laughs> well, Johnny's uh, quick to cut them off and introduce Kelly and then really get to Zach as his co-star. And the girls say, co-star? Ooh! Which was a great save by Johnny because they were about to blow up a spot with Kelly, like you mentioned. Yeah, Zach walks away with the girl on each arm. I believe their names are Marta and Ingrid. Yes. Um, he introduces them to Slater, who thinks he's about to at least score with one of them until Zach says, this is Slater, my driver. <laughs> and and they, they say, shouldn't they be waiting in the limo? And he goes, oh, yes, and shoes him away. So Slater is just out. Um, always thought that was really funny. The girls, um, Jesse and Lisa, are excited because they've been dancing with two Hollywood hunks, Storm Sutherland and Luke Diamond. You want to take a stab at that one? Who are those guys supposed to be? What's the uh, metaphor here that I'm that I'm trying to get? What's going on with these guys? Yeah, we both kind of came together and uh, pulled this out. Just Storm Sutherland is probably Kiefer Sutherland we came up with. I'm not sure where the storm comes from. I don't know who that could be. But the Sutherland is it's got to be Kiefer Sutherland at the time if you're going back to uh, the, the mid to late 90s there. And then Jesse danced with Luke Diamond. It's got to be Luke Perry and Luke Diamond Phillips. Am I, am I wrong here? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I think. Um, now we have a girl passing up Slater to get to Screech. Um, and she says, has anyone ever told you you look just like Johnny? <laughs> and she says, his arm is so firm. And it, Screech says, it's my elbow. I work out. Um, <laughs> Screech is going to reenact a stunt from the movie Freeway Warrior where he jumps out of the exploding car. And in doing so, he hurts his back. So Zach and Slater are going to have to take Screech home. And uh, the girls are ready to go too because um, Luke Diamond and Storm Sutherland have split. And that is going to lead us into a very poignant moment in the series. Noah. and I'm going to let you take this one because I'm going to have to stay, take a step back and just revel in it. Yeah. I mean, after they carry screech out, Kelly stays and she sits on the couch with Johnny and they kiss. And then some guy just comes over and says, Hey, Johnny, Johnny's like, Hey guy. Cause of course he just calls everyone yep. guy. He's too important. Can't remember anybody's names. And I mean, the guy comes back and says, you got some good stuff here. And I always found that interesting. I always thought like watching it, that it was just like the guy stuff. He, he brought it or it was just there, but no, he says, you got some good stuff here. So it's Johnny's own stash. Johnny says, thanks, takes a hit and says, here, Kel, take a hit. And Kelly's like, no, she turns it down. Come on, Kelly. It's only pot. And then the guy from the back just, "Uh Oh, Johnny looks like she's just saying no. And then Zach comes in, he offers Zach a hit and Zach said, you smoke pot? And said, yeah, sure, who doesn't? And he says, I don't, Kelly, I don't either. And he's like, come on, are you guys serious? Yeah, we're serious. Come on, Kelly, let's get out of here. And who does Johnny think he is? What does he think is going on here? He's here to film an anti-drug commercial. He's had this little powwow in a classroom with them talking about how dangerous it is, and they, they know the stories. They're completely against it. And here he is offering the kids pot at a party. Like, how do you expect this to go over? Yeah, and I thought it was very well acted by Mark Paul and uh, Tiffany there. Uh, Just the idea that they're so adamant about not doing it. They're at his house, this big Hollywood party, and they're standing up to these people. This guy, this blonde, Ken doll-looking guy that says, oh, she's just saying no. Zach comes in and very sternly says, I don't. I don't do this. And I always really was proud of that scene for Saved by the Bell, a show that's a Saturday morning show, a show that's had so many silly episodes that we've talked about, like the Mamas and the Papas. And uh, so many, you know, that uh, this gang has grown up. These these kids have grown up. We've watched them grow up. We've watched their high school careers evolve. We've watched their characters evolve. And it evolves to the point where you can't be more proud of these people because they come into this situation where they're out of their element and they're trying to fit in, but they're not going to go that far to fit in. They're committed to doing this anti-drug commercial. Kelly was scared and Zach gets her out of there. Love the scene, and I think it's really poignant and really one of my favorite scenes um, really in the show because I, I think it's it's important and it portrays such a great message, and uh, they knocked it out of the park with that one. They did. It's a powerful scene, and you think about it, and these are like the coolest kids in school, and 
and watching this uh, when I was in middle school, looking up at them and and really taking my cues from what they would do. And so when I saw this scene and I saw the cool kids, I'm like, oh, surely the cool kids, they're just going to fall in line. There's this big actor. They're at this Hollywood party. But when they stood up to him, I was like, hey, I don't have to do it, whether you're the cool kid or whoever. And there's no such thing as peer pressure. If you're confident in who you are and your beliefs and what you want to do and what you don't want to do, you can stand up to anyone, stand your ground and say, I'm not going to do this. And so the next day, Johnny comes in and he's acting like nothing's wrong and that it was a great party. And that's where we've got to stop our commentary here and bring on our guest, Eddie Garcia, and really get into his part in this show and uh, this scene coming up for sure. Uh, now, Peter Engel uh, on the DVD set uh, came on and said that they ha had someone else cast for the part of Johnny Dakota, but when they went to the table read, uh, he looked more like an axe murderer, and so they rushed you in after that uh, with only one day of prep. So uh, tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, that's pretty much kind of what happened. Um, I heard, you know, I, I don't know the actor that they had, but um, I, all I got was it didn't work out. And then Tiffany was like, hey, they're thinking about asking you to come in and do the part if they're okay with that. So, I, yeah, it was kind of like get the script, kind of learn it as fast as you can, and um, do the best job you can with the, you know, circumstances the way they were. But, um, yeah, it was a blast. I mean, it was quick. It was like, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, boom, we were done. <laughs> yeah. so usually you have like a whole week. Uh, you have like a, day, a couple days to kind of settle. I was kind of in and out. Um, they kind of told me what they were going for, and I tried to do the best job possible. Well, it stands out. I mean, your character coming in, especially, you know, for Say by the Bell, that really didn't tackle a lot of really deep, you know, high school um, kind of coming of age issues, um, except for, of course, the um, Jesse Spano caffeine pill episode. Caffeine. Now we're talking, <laughs> right. We are very famous. Yeah, yeah. Then we get to this one and we're talking about, you know, marijuana, something that, you know, for Saturday mornings was kind of a big deal. Um, kind of what was your understanding of the Johnny Dakota character? I know you, did, you didn't have long, but as you're kind of reading through this and trying to get into, into tune, what was your kind of understanding of him? And were you trying to maybe base it around any, you know, certain celebrity at the time? He kind of had some Rob Lowe, Tom Cruise-esque qualities to him, I guess you could say. Um, well, what, what, it, what was conveyed to me is at the time there were a couple um, teen heartthrobs who had done a PSA commercial and come to find out that they were, you know, abusing drugs at the time, even though it was mm -hmm. an anti-drug commercial. So the character was based on that. It was like they were all, it was all over the headlines. So it was trying to, I was kind of a mix of a lot of different things at the time. You know, people were with the uh, Say No to Drugs campaign that was happening, you know, just in the country, um, trying to get, convey the fact that sometimes what you see isn't what you're actually seeing, you know, and, and, and having kids stand up and, and take a stance against something because they don't believe it's right and truthful to who the person is, I think was really important. And I think that was a real big message from the thing is it's just be, be real. You know, don't be fake. Don't try to pretend you're something that you're not. Well, for a show that didn't tackle a ton of serious issues, you have Zach and Slater mentioning the deaths of a Len Bias and John Belushi, cocaine related deaths. Uh, you have a peer pressure element to it later on when they're at the party and uh, uh, your character, Johnny Dakota, and his buddy are trying to get uh, Kelly and Zach uh, uh, to take a hit from the joint. And Talk about kind of the serious of this episode and just kind of what it meant for millions of kids across the country watching this and uh, relaying that message to them uh, to just say yeah. no. Yeah, well, so like, like coming from my own experience, because I was a little older than the cast, just like, you know, just by a couple of years. Um, I remember attending parties, you know, and for the most part, all the all the kids that were in the industry were pretty straight laced and really like, you know, pretty good heads on their shoulders. But occasionally you'd run across one who wasn't and and trying to see, you know, at the end of the day, I, I, I think sometimes people are victims of, of circumstance, you know, so these kids have a lot of pressures put on them at an early age, especially celebrity kids and trying to come now that I'm older, it's trying to see the, the, they can't handle it. So they're trying to check out. They're trying to, you know, for, for Johnny, it's the, hey, there's, it's not a big deal. It's just pot kind of a thing. But, but 
the deeper issue is that, well, but that can turn into something later. And for a lot of the kids that I did see go down that rabbit hole, that's what happened is they started with something simple and then they moved into something a little more serious. If people that we were basing it on were doing a lot more serious drugs, it wasn't really pot, but pot was a safe one to kind of talk about. Um, so we, I know myself, I was trying to approach it was he's cocky because he's, he's inside. He's not, you know, he, mm-hmm. he's something's missing. And, and then his way of dealing with stuff with the kids is like, well, you're a bunch of kids. You don't get it. Like you don't understand what it's like to be me. You know, you, you think, you think it's just this, but you know, I, I'm, a, I'm an okay person. You can't tell me I'm a bad guy, you know? And I think for them and they're pointing out, well, yeah, dude, but you're lying. You're a liar. And, you know, that's really important that for us, uh, you know, from the show point of view, the characters are like, but you're a liar. You're fake. You're not, you're not real. You're selling something, but then you're not really doing that. So I think that was like, I really tried my best to convey that, you know, he does have this cockiness, but I think it comes from more of an insecurity of being kind of empty inside. I mean, they were straight up. They go, you know, Hey, this is loosely based on the two quarries. And I was like, okay, got it. <laughs> you know? And because, uh, Heyman Feldman were so big at the time and, uh, they unfortunately went down, you know, and got into a bunch of drugs and, and they were doing PSAs that were anti-drug PSAs, but they were high and like, it's crazy, you know, you don't, but I understand now, like, you know, a lot of these kids had so much pressure put on them, you know, and so, so many things. So I think like, like back then, I think my biggest concern was just remember your lines and just get through this. You know, I, I, I knew that I knew I was going to be the quarries. You know, and I knew I had met Feldman because of Michael a few times. Yeah. Um, I worked with Feldman and Haim on, a, they had did a, a video and um, it was for License to Drive, I think, or, or no, 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 the, the Dream one. Dream a Little Dream. Yes, yeah. that one. And um, I, I don't know who I knew, but someone was working on the video. So I came to the set and, um, and I guess at that time they were, they were just, you know, Haim was really, really sweet. Like he was a really nice guy. Feldman was a little more to himself. Even though I met him through Michael, he was a little more like, he didn't really, wasn't a social at the time. But um, I, I, I thought Haim was really sweet. So it broke my heart to see him really, you know, to, to see him pass away. And from the abuse that had happened before, so, and now like, like it's weird. I watched Feldman's documentary about things that happened to them. Mm-hmm. And if I had known that, like now, it, like from an actor's point of view, I mean, that's the stuff that you dig into. You have to know what's behind it. You know, why, why, why are you abusing? I mean, pot, you know, it was a easy drug for them to do because it's not the, at the time they, it was the gateway drug, you yeah. know, but, but, <laughs> but they were like, they didn't want to go too, too heavy. You know, they didn't want to go into too, something too crazy. It's like the caffeine pills. Like, you know, that was like, Hey, let's use caffeine pills. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But you know, I think, I think from an actor's point of view, you always want to understand why someone does something and then, and then you can put some reality into it. But I honestly, at the time, I really just wanted to get, I hadn't done, our show was taped, like pre-taped stuff we didn't do anything with an audience ever their show was done in front of an audience so it was a really different experience for me like that was like okay this is like doing a play and you gotta hit your marks and you gotta yeah. you know, know what's coming up next so it was weird weird for me in the sense that i had to shift gears where my show was like i mean if you messed up it's cool you just you know yeah. again it's like with an audience i mean you gotta like pull it together they do two or three takes and that's it and, and then we would film stuff and then before without the audience, just so they have a backup. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And don't you think that there's even a bigger kind of issue here than, than just, than just the drugs, because, you know, kids that age being so impressionable and having, you know, an, an adult figure like that, I know you were just a few years older than them in, in real life and your character, but to, to look up to someone like that and to ultimately kind of be led astray by them is a very, 
confusing thing for high school students, for people of that age. And, um, you know, to be able to kind of morph that into, a, you know, a life lesson, which they learned, you know, you know, because of, of, of you, I mean, that, that's kind of a, an even deeper issue at stake here. And I think that that's something that like, as a kid, that taught me a lot just in that moment. And that episode, it's like, wow, you can't trust. (laughs) It's scary. Um, You know, it it is, you know, because sometimes, you know, sometimes your heroes aren't the people that you expected them to be. And and sometimes that can be a fair assessment. And sometimes it's a unfair system because you never know where people are coming from, you know, and, and I had some amazing friends that, were overcome by drugs and, and basically, you know, their life was ended at a very young age and they weren't bad people. They were good people. And, and I remember it was kind of around that time, you know, you know, and I heard about a really close friend of mine who was about my age and it just took one, one kind of long turn and he succumbed to drug abuse. And it made me so sad because inside he was a beautiful person. We would never know. You would never know if you didn't know. And where Johnny, I think, really did mask it with this, like, arrogance and this cockiness and this I'm bigger than life. And I saw those. You know, I ran into those people, and I knew them, you know. And and I would say, wow, they're just not very nice, you know. They were nice to some people and not nice to other people. And I think that was like – it was like a – it was a show. Like, the person – wasn't you weren't really seeing the person you were seeing the persona you were seeing the, the act you know and i think the the person that you saw on the episode was an act he was it was a made-up person like he wasn't that wasn't really the person no one really got to see him you know his he loved being looked at as a hero and that gave him his high but he also needed to get high you know that was kind of his thing so I hope that kids could watch it and they go, wow, he's not very cool. You know, that was the whole idea, mm-hmm. you know, is that he's fake and look at like, and now all of a sudden he's not nice to them. What, what all he's doing is thinking about himself. You know, it's all about him. And, um, cause you know, in real life, I hope, you know, people understood I was the opposite. You know, I was like, Oh, you know, you play the bad guy sometimes or the person that's the villain, but you, connect to the fact that that's not really you and you're trying to channel the other people that like I was trying to channel people I knew like I had hung out with who I saw I saw the arrogance I saw the I'm not going to talk to you you're below me what what are you talking about like you're hanging out with my buddies you know what that's (laughs) weird you know and then you come to find out oh it's because you know they're doing they're doing a lot of stuff that you just didn't know about you know and I think also I mean, like I said, they use pot as the as the drug, but I'm sure that character was deeply into other stuff because the person and the well, the people they were basing it off of were into really deep drug issues. So it was kind of like let's find a nice way to explain it, but but this is what it's really about. Yeah, exactly. And uh, another thing, I, I think I kind of learned the term "ride or die" before it really became a term from this episode because. <laughs> Johnny yeah. Dakota's director, uh, Dean Jablonski, was with him in this episode. And after Dakota gets found out that he's smoking pot, they he leaves. He's I don't need this. Uh, Dean Jablonski ends up still shooting the No Hope But Dose spot with this. So he wasn't a ride or die for Johnny Dakota. Yeah, well, because, you know, sometimes people don't want to be on a sinking ship. And uh, they kind of go, oh. Great. Well, that, that cash cow is about to go away. Let me get, <laughs> let me fix everything. You know, and sometimes that's the sad part is sometimes instead of people being there and helping, you know, the person who needs the help, they sometimes they turn on them and turn away from them. You know, even if it's, you know, it's like if you watch any of those intervention shows, it's crazy. You just go, whoa, <laughs> you know, it could go, wow. Like you just can't, you can't fathom that any person would go down the rabbit hole that far but they do you know and and i've seen it you've seen it in in the industry even now like somebody does something that's not cool and all of a sudden everybody in their camp turns and leaves and they're gone or that person fires them you Mm -hmm. know and, and they get them out of there 
So I think, you know, again, that person is looking out for themselves. You know, they're, they're, oh, we got to get this done and we got to do it the right way. And he wasn't the right guy. So we're going to fix this, you know, and he made a decision. I think that was appropriate. Um, and from an industry point, it's a professional thing to do, you know. Well, um, in the in the end of the episode, um, president of NBC, Brandon Tartikoff, comes on playing himself, you know, finishing uh, the commercial with the kids. Did you get a chance to meet Brandon? Obviously, he was a very well-liked person and someone that was largely influential in the, in the television business, and he makes an appearance in that. Did you get a, did you get a chance to meet him at all? I did because um, I actually, what was funny is I was on a different show called Guys Next Door, and Brandon Tartikoff was the person that helped create that show. He basically had approached some producers and said, I want a group like New Kids on the Block. So you guys put it together and we're going to make like our own version of the monkeys. So because of that, that show, I was able to meet him a few times and we were, his daughter got to handpick which guys got to be uh, part of the group. Oh, I really like him. You know, she was young. She was like, I want to say yeah. like 10 or 11. So it was cool. You know, we did a pilot and then we got picked up for one season and we had a blast. I'm still in touch with all those guys. Like we're still like, you know, pretty close and keep up on, you know, with each other. So it was really cool. a great experience. That was during the Save by the Bell days. That was my, that was really my home. That was where I was like most comfortable with is those are my boys, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, we know it was a whirlwind for you Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and you're out of there. But uh, what are, were some of your memories of working uh, kind of with the cast and crew, whether it was the main cast of kids, uh, Dennis Haskins, or executive producer Peter Engel? Um, so, like, you know, Dennis is a sweetheart. And I still from time to time catch up with him. Um, the kids, I was really impressed with how professional. They were so quick, and they were so talented. You know, just seeing them... They were, because, you know, they grew up on TV, basically. So their way of responding and, and understanding audiences, and I was impressed with that. Like, my show was not shot in front of an audience. We were, like, everything was was done, you know. Uh, we shot, like, on location, and we shot little skits, and, but it's a completely different situation. Being in front of a studio is completely different, you know, because it's like doing a play. You know, you're doing these little sequences and, and it has to, you have to get the response from the audience. And sometimes, you know, I'd see them, if a joke fell flat, they would, they would change the joke and, and the kids would like automatically, oh, okay, got it. And then they would, it boom, and it was done. And they'd have what they had, which was pretty impressive to me. I was really, really um, blown away by that, especially at their ages. You know, they were really intelligent. Um, Peter was cool, you know, we... It was like I again very appreciative to have been on a you know show and for him giving me a chance, knowing that it was quick. So this the whole situation was was I, I just wanted to do the best job I could, you know, because I know I wasn't the first choice, but the fact that they they uh, believed enough in me to give me the chance meant a lot. Well, you talked about a little bit about it there, uh, kind of how the kids are so talented. We've heard that a lot, how young they were, but how talented and professional they were. Uh, do you think it's just the fact that this was a big show and it became this huge thing, phenomenon? People associate all these uh, cast members as your Zach Morris, your AC Slater, your Kelly, your Lisa. And that's kind of why they've struggled to kind of find their footing as far as finding another TV show to stick to or a mo big movie or something. Uh, Mario uh, is on extra and we've seen that, but uh, a lot of these other cast members, maybe they've just taken a another direction with their life, but some of them have struggled to find a TV show or movie to uh, kind of break free from the Saved by the Bell mold. Yeah. Well, like Dustin, I think it was the most difficult for Dustin because people really associated him with Screech because Screech was kind of a breakout funny character. You know, he was always the funny guy that everybody would laugh at. Mark Paul, super successful after Save by the Bell. He's done some amazing work. You know, he's been on some great shows. Um, Mario, I think he found his calling. You know, Mario is just really charming and easy to talk with, you know, and and the fact that, you know, from doing Dancing with the Stars, which it really gave him a, like a big boost, he 
he's I think he's a very talented interviewer. Like I think mm-hmm. he understands people feel comfortable with him. And um that opportunity is something that sometimes people don't get those second chances and, and to have that and, and channel it into another successful avenue is awesome. Um Tiffany, you know, for nine oh two one oh she like went to that, which was great. You know, and then she was she was doing another show for a little while, and then she has a cooking show. So seeing the variety of, of things that people are able to do, every yeah. now and then I run into Elizabeth. She's this, she's just like so sweet, such a wonderful, amazing person, and super talented. And sometimes I think people are unaware that some of the kids are still uh, they're not kids anymore, but they're still working. They're still doing stuff. It's just maybe not these stuff that everyone's aware of, you know, some they're doing plays, they'll do a little bit part in a movie, you know, and people are unaware because they're not necessarily the marquee name. So I think, I, I think they've been pretty successful as a group, you know, and, and working out of that space, you know, I, I, like I said, I think the hardest thing, it was hard for, for Dustin, you know, and he was, he was so sweet to me when I was on the show and, all you, all you want to do, like I know for myself, I've, I love the acting. It was cool and it's still fun. And every now and then I may do something here and there, but my, my passion was dance. So that's kind of the route I decided to continue to follow either dancing, you know, with artists or uh, choreographing. And that became my love. That became the thing I was really, really passionate about. So I think, each of those kids has found something that's part of their passion. Um, were, were you and Tiffany dating during this, or had you guys broken up by now? No, uh, we were dating during this, yeah. That was part of the reason she's like, hey, you want to do our show? <laughs> I was like, sure. <laughs> so, well, Spend more you know, time together. Of, it's always kind of well documented that, um, you know, a lot of the cast members dated and stuff. I just wondered how that worked as far as like, I, you know, I didn't know the timeline on when everyone dated each other, but was, I mean, was there some chemistry issues or anything going on on the, on the set with, with that since you were dating mm-hmm. Tiffany at the time? No, no, no. Now when we were, when we were dating, we were dating and, you know, and she was like, she was my first, like, she would have been my high school sweetheart. That's, you know, mm-hmm. and she was just like a beautiful person, but like high school, sometimes you just grow apart and you just, you're, you have different goals in life. You haven't re- you're kind of discovering yourself. And I think it was the same on the set. You know, they, they grew close as people, you know, but they were also like high school students. You kind of go, well, I kind of like you, you know, do you want to go out, you know? And, and like Tiffany and I weren't dating when she started dating somebody else, you know? So it's just part of, kind of part of life, you know? I know later in life, she and I got together for a coffee, you know, I had been going through a little bit of a uh, hard time. And uh, she was sweet enough to meet me and just check in on me and just to see how I was doing. And I, like, as a person, I really appreciated that, that I meant enough to her as a person still that she would do mm-hmm. that. And, like, I worked with Mario um, on Pacific Blue. And I remember coming in to the set, and I was like, well, you know, it's been a while. I don't know, you know, we'll, we'll see how everything – he was so nice. He's like, yo, bro, you can stay in my trailer, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, it was just – it was a good place just to see how each person grew as people, you know, from being high school to adults. It's a big jump. And and I think they all grew into really amazing people. Well, you mentioned it there a little bit. You've talked about uh, kind of keeping in touch with Dennis Haskins a little uh, catching up with uh, Tiffany, working with Mario on Pacific Blue. What other cast members uh, have you seen? Have you come and uh, stayed in touch with? Whether it's Elizabeth Berkeley, Mark Paul, Dustin, uh, who else is out there for you that you've kept in touch with? Um, Ed Alonzo, I kind of keep up with him every now and then. He'll be doing a magic show in the area, and if I can make it down to try to check it out, I'll go check it out. He and I actually worked on um, the Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. Oh yeah, it's like a mix. He did the magic and I did the dancing, <laughs> so that was cool. <laughs> nice. We were like, "What?" Yeah. So from time to time, we kind of come across each other, just you know, small circle. You know, um, I haven't seen Elizabeth in a minute. It's, it's she used to live in the same building as uh, another friend of mine, so that was the last time I saw her. And like I said, she's she's just 
to the doll. The last time I saw Mark Paul, I was auditioning for something on the 20th century uh, lot. I was going, I was walking to my audition and he was coming out. I think he was working on NYPD Blue. Mm -hmm. And he goes, hey, (laughs) I was like, what? So, and he was, we caught up real quick, but I was like, yeah, I got to go to this audition. And he was very, you know, nice. And um, I haven't seen Mario in a second. Like, it's been a minute. I think I saw him once after Pacific Blue, but, you know, Hollywood's very small. You tend to run into people at some point, you know, and my my goal in life is just that, you know, I'm always, uh, I'm always grateful that all these people came into my life. You know, they helped form the person I am. And, um, and to be able to have just like a five minute conversation with them and catch up is pretty cool. Well, and I know you've been to Saved by the Max, and you just never know who you'll run into there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was so much fun. Like, we, had a, we had a blast that day. You know, I got to see Lark for just a few minutes, and it was cool catching it. She didn't recognize me because, like, I have this crazy long hair. I probably look like more of the the Johnny Dakota that was at the table reading. <laughs> the, the Johnny Dakota. <laughs> I, I, did, like, I got a big goatee and this crazy hair and, like, told Mountain Man. And uh, so she, I think it took her a minute, and then she was like, oh, my gosh. And I was like, I know, right? <laughs> so, uh, but, yeah, you know, I they were really uh, gracious. They reached out to me and said, hey, we're doing this little event. It's kind of like meet and greet. Would you be down? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. So give me a chance to catch up with a few people I haven't seen in a while. See Dennis. I had, he and I had had, had coffee a few months earlier. Um, so just to be able to kind of sit for a little bit and talk to him and talk to Ed was awesome. I, I am certainly no Zach Morris. So Noah is going to go ahead and play the part of Zach here. He has got yeah. way, more, Mar- way more Mark Park Gosler in him. So I'm going to, I'm just going to let this all happen and I'll go ahead and call scene. Johnny shooting this commercial just doesn't seem right after what happened last night. Yeah, it was a great party, wasn't it? Come on, Johnny, you know what I mean. Oh, come on. Give me a break. It was just a little pot. How can you smoke pot last night and tell these kids not to do it today? Look, what I do at home is my business. Come on, buddy. Lighten up. Man, I thought you were real cool. And a million other kids still do, but you know what? We were wrong. What do you want from me? Don't do this commercial. Forget it, friend. No, I'm not your friend. Scene. And scene. <laughs> yes! My wife's cracking up right now. What? <laughs> My wife's cracking up. She's like... <laughs> and we just hope all the best, and we can't thank you enough for jumping on and doing this with us again, my friend. It's a true pleasure, man. Thank you so well, much. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. You bet. Absolutely. We'll catch up soon. So gracious with your time. Thanks so much. Thank you. Right. Stay healthy. Yeah. Yep. You too. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Well, there you go, Eddie Garcia. You guys reenacted the scene so perfectly, I might add. And uh, a great scene it is because it's very serious. And Zach, again, standing up to Johnny. And it's powerful stuff because he knows, Zach knows he's blowing a friendship over this. He's blowing the idea of going around with this Hollywood guy that can get him into parties and could help their future or who knows what all. And Zach stands up to him and he said, how could you do this? How could you do, you know, smoke pot last night and then tell these kids not to do it today? And I love the way he delivered that. I love the way you delivered that too. I might add that was great stuff. Pointing at scene again, knocked it out of the park. I, I, I'm, I, I'm a big fan of that scene. Good job between you and Eddie Garcia. That was really cool. Eddie's the man. Uh, he got to date Tiffany Amber Thiessen for a cup of coffee and play Johnny Dakota. And as we talked about, you know, a background dancer for freaking Michael Jackson. So uh, we love Eddie. Great guy. Oh, it was great having him on. Can't thank him enough. Can't thank him enough for doing that scene with me. And thank you, Clint, for your kind words on that. I didn't know uh, quite if I pulled that off or not. And Johnny Dakota in this says what he does at home is his business. But that's where he's wrong because he goes to film the scene in the commercial and everyone walks out. They're done with it. Uh, First, it's Zach and Slater. And then uh, Lisa comes up and says, you know, when I wanted to talk to you, I couldn't. Now that I can, I don't want to. 
And Kelly's the last one to walk out, and she just says, goodbye, Johnny. And he's just, fine, I don't need this aggravation. I don't need your school. I'm out of here. So we've lost Johnny Dakota. Maybe Have we lost the commercial as well? No, because Dean Yablonski is going to stay around, and our good friend Richard Belding, Mr. Belding, is going to make a call to NBC. He has a connection at NBC, and in fact, that connection is none other than Brandon Tartikoff, president of NBC. Uh, he was there for um, over a decade, and he was responsible for so many, so much great programming there, and was integral in Saved by the Bell. So they're going to bring in Brandon Tartikoff here to help finish this commercial. He is uh, such an important figure in television, especially at that time. He comes in to shoot the commercial, and like I said, Dean Yablonski decided to shit to stay and I guess direct the thing, and apparently. Uh, Tartikoff and Mr. Belding grew up together and even chased after the same girl, Becky Flugerman. Um, Mr. Belding grew up wanting to be, you know, a television executive and Brandon Tartikoff wanted to run a school. Well, Mr. Belding got to run the school and he got Becky Flugerman and well, Brandon had to settle for running NBC. Yeah, so sad. We feel bad for Brandon Tartikoff having to do that. But uh, Becky, her uh, dad was the school superintendent. So uh, that's where Mr. Belding got in and becoming a principal. So uh, just some sort of uh, nepotism there. But then Brandon teases about uh, possibly doing a sitcom with a school principal and his kids at a school. Uh, but then he said, nah, it'll never work. Yeah, that's how we close it out. Um uh, breaking the fourth wall a little bit there, the show kind of being self-aware. You have some cross-pollination. You have a show that's on NBC that is bringing on a fictional NBC with a real-life president to film a commercial for NBC that the show is already airing on and talking about <laughs> producing a show for that fictional NBC, even though the show airs on real NBC. You following me here? Uh, I think I'm a little bit lost, let's, but let's, uh, I just you know got what? word in my headphones that playback's coming over the monitors. Let's go watch. Dumb. Stupid. Crazy. Dangerous. Stinks. In one word, would I use dope? Nope. These kids are right. Drugs will hurt your mind, your body, and your life. Hi, I'm Brandon Tartikoff, chairman of NBC Entertainment. And I've got a hit idea for the new fall season. Don't do drugs. There's no hope with dope. Well, there you hear it. The The commercial is uh, is finished. There it is. What are your thoughts on it? Uh, do you think Johnny Dakota's version would have been better? What, what's your overall thoughts on the commercial? I really liked it. I like uh, how Brandon Tartikoff came in and said, I got a new hit for the fall season. Don't do drugs. Because he's always coming on, I'm sure, back in the day, saying I've got a new hit for the fall season, introducing a show. But this time the hit is his message to not do drugs. And so I liked uh, kind of that spin on it, that play on words with it. And I mean, the commercial, as far as just the commercial... Uh, I thought maybe Blaze's story would have made it in, but she's not in there at all. Uh, her story uh, about her brother... Uh, getting high and then going to the beach and now he's in a wheelchair. I thought that could have made it. But uh, so as far as the commercial, I thought they could have used some real world stories in there and not just this dumb, stupid, crazy, dangerous. And then Zach coming on. Uh, I like the commercial for what it was. I just thought it could have used a real life touch. Um, Noah, I was about to put a ribbon on this episode. I was about to go ahead and say our goodbyes, but guys, this is breaking news happening right now, as we say, because I'm about to end the episode and I'm getting a call from Peter Engel right now. He just texted me and said, I've got to set the story straight, give you a little info about uh, Brandon Tartikoff. You know, you're doing the episode with him in it. Got to tell you a little bit more about that story. So we're going to go ahead and welcome the show's creator on this star-studded episode. Peter Engel is going to tell us a little more about Brandon Tartikoff in this episode. Well, I'll tell you the truth. Brandon said, why are you calling me? <laughs> Brandon and I were very close. <laughs> I said, because quite frankly, I know you'll, like, you're the only one I can get. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. 
right? Frank Frank. We said, could you get someone else? Wow. <laughs> and and uh, it was the greatest save by the bell. It was the best thing that ever happened to me professionally in, in my life. It was a magical experience. It was it was just magical. And um, uh, and then I went home, and my wife said, "How was your day?" I said, "Brandon wants me to do the Saturday morning show." And and she said, "What'd you tell him?" I said, I told him to get someone else. She said, are you crazy? She <laughs> said, You've been, we've been praying and hoping we could do a show that our boys at that time, you know, the heart at the end of the show, my boys made that when they were four and two. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, we've been, we wanted to do a show you could, you, the boys could grow up on, like Happy Days, etc. Oh, yeah. And so I, so I went back the next day and I told him I'd be back in three weeks for the show and that became Saved by the Bell. Well, after hearing from Peter Engel, Troy Froman, Eddie Garcia as Johnny Dakota, is it easy to say that this is the most star-studded, definitive episode of Saved by the Bell to date? I mean, we've covered, um, you know, nearly three full seasons of the show, and I'm telling you what, I'm exhausted. What a, what a show. It's one of those episodes that stands out over time. It, it, it stands the test of time. I love it, and I love all of our guests. Wow, this was an amazing experience doing this episode. It really was the definitive episode of Say by the Bell. When you say Say by the Bell, if people don't know a lot about it, didn't watch it, they know this episode. They know No Hope With Dope. They know Johnny Dakota. And we cannot thank Eddie Garcia enough for coming on. We've had so many great guest stars throughout the life of this podcast. And here we are trying to, uh, moving towards closing out season three. But this has got to be the biggest one. Eddie Garcia as Johnny Dakota. I mean, it just doesn't get bigger than that. And to have Troy Froman in uh, his first appearance on the show as Scud and then Peter Engel calling in, uh, setting us straight, setting the record straight and giving us some more information on Brandon Tartikoff and his role uh, in not only in this episode, but the show overall is just huge. We cannot thank all these guests enough for coming. And we can't thank you enough for listening to Say by Nostalgia and our Say by the Bell reviews as we are here Going through season three and just this episode, two thumbs up for me, a huge hit. And it's got to be because it's touching on such an important topic, especially with all the kids that they had watching on those Saturday mornings. They jumped out of the realm of just these funny, silly moments and jumped into a very serious topic. This isn't Jesse's song. This isn't caffeine pills. This is serious hard drugs that have caused people, cost people their life. And this is a huge topic and they tackled it and they did a great job. And just the short amount of time that Eddie Garcia had one day's prep to come in and just nail this from start to finish is unbelievable. And just, I am just in shock that we got him, got a hold of him and had him on this show. But that's what you're going to find here on Save by Nostalgia.